Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the last week's episode and you've all been keeping well. Funnily enough, we've got another amazing dentist with us today. We have Kamil Mahmoud, who not only is a dentist, he's a poet, he's a spoken word and visual artist, born and raised in Birmingham. His work explores identity, religion, masculinity, international affairs. He's been described as a wordsmith of the ages and his debut collection, Mute Men, was published by Verve Poetry Press earlier last year. He's currently a dentist working in the heart of Birmingham. So we want to introduce you, Camille. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's, uh, it's nice. Thank you for having me. I think it's a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, no, it's our pleasure. We were planning to get Camille on for a while now, but obviously due to COVID, we've kind of had to go to doing things remotely. Yeah. Um, but how have you been? How has COVID affected you? I've I've been okay. I'm, I think uh, you know. Luckily, I'm I'm in quite a privileged position. I, I live at home with my parents at the moment, um, and mm. uh, we've kind of the world of dentistry has been hugely affected by the pandemic, where it's kind of pretty much yeah. come to a standstill. Um, we're kind of slowly getting back into uh, going back towards routine dentistry, but the last three months has, has been quite a uh, a moment of uh, of change. I think I think a lot. You know, mm. this phrase of the new normal has kind of been thrown around but i think this this period has kind of felt like an incubation period um and mm, yeah. you know the funny thing is that you know it happened during ramadan so ramadan in itself is its own incubation period for a lot of muslims out there um, Definitely. and to have that going on through a pandemic has just been quite a unique experience and it's kind of made me reevaluate a lot of things i think for a lot of us you know um just being out of our normal routine has really allowed us to kind of question what it is we actually want out of life. Um, mm. So, so for me, like you know, luckily I've been I've been kind of pursuing different hobbies, um, kind of keeping myself busy. Um, so, even though you know so many people have died because of this pandemic, um, I think one mm. one of the things that's really come to light is 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 how obsolete a lot of the structures that serve us are uh, have have you mm. know have been showing to be during this pandemic and kind of reimagining the world uh i think us as healthcare professionals creatives Mm. in general it's it's, there's been a lot of stimulus for just reimagining and rethinking and adapting to this yeah and you touched on exactly what i want to go on to next creative so Uh we know especially because you went to uni with us at king's you're a spoken word visual artist um you published your debut mute men kind of talk us what spoken word and poetry is about how you got involved in it and how you kind of went on to kind of eventually publishing this collection because it's something new for me i've never really been exposed to it other than seeing what you've kind of put out this tell us about it what's the inspiration behind it give us an insight into that world and and what inspired you to go into it that's another huge thing as well well, I mean, for me personally, it's kind of, I mean, I, I would say I'm quite new to this as well. I mean, a lot of people have been kind of writing since they were kind of young. I've always kind of been a bit creative ever since I was a young age. Um, pretty early on, uh, some of my teachers had kind of clocked on that I was quite quite good at visual art. Probably, I wouldn't say better than my classmates, but sometimes you kind of, you know, in that class when there's that one kid that is just like catches the eye of like just being good at drawing good at painting it's almost like um, you know my parents were kind of made aware that of that and then I was kind of encouraged along with kind of my studies it was it's kind of seen as um as as a nice little a, a nice little safe quiet thing to just be doing inside your house <laughs> um so it was kind of encouraged that. 
um, I mean, it's quite a broad question to ask what poetry and spoken word is. I think a lot of us are probably more familiar with what poetry is, uh, and we kind of think of poetry as 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 that anthology that we all kind of learned during. I think English. I think it was English language, wasn't it? The GCSE. The the, the yeah. Yeah, the anthology that was full of poems. And um, I think from a young age as well, music and lyricism in music was something that I was quite a big fan of. So um, yeah. whilst I was at school, I didn't have any interest in poetry, I'll be honest. Um, I think the way it was taught was just completely devoid of any kind of, of critical thinking. And um, it's probably one of the problems of the curriculum in general, where a lot of it is kind of uh, based on getting the right answer. But one of the things that I came to learn with poetry is that there wasn't any right answer. And even with art in general, there wasn't any right answer. That the point of it is not to 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 answer a question. The point of, of it is to kind of, as human beings, reflect on these concepts that we come in that we encounter, um, and uh, evaluate those, analyze those. Um, for some of us, historically logging those, because you know, ten years from now, twenty years from now, someone could pick up mm. my book, <laughs> but I don't know, like in some some yeah. dusty library, and kind of think, okay, what was the world? <laughs> you know back in just before the you know pre-pandemic just before the pandemic um mm. and poetry itself is um uh, it uses language to in a way kind of paint a picture to 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 just analyze things that we as human beings experience and communicate it in a way that other people can kind of get pleasure from it but also a stimulus in which they can they then have the agency to 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 think about the concepts that you're talking about um spoken word is probably something that's quite new to a lot of people it's very new to me but but if we think about it um things like poetry spoken word you know these are things that have kind of pre predated the written language so it's been around for thousands and thousands of years this is how stories were kind of told this is how people would get the entertainment this is how history was told this is how the news was told um so Spoken word is kind of more of a performance style of poetry. Um, it kind of incorporates the sound of your voice, the the rhythm in which you speak. Um, in some cases, using music. In some cases, using just motion, the motion of the body. Um, and in terms of how I kind of came to it. So I remember when uh, this is kind of the story that I tell people, because a lot of people will always be like, Kamal, how did you get into this? It's such a random thing from for like, a, a Miripuri Pakistani from Sparky Hill, Birmingham to be, to be doing. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's like this, it, it seems like such a cultured thing to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a very cultured, highbrow thing. Yeah, it seems like, like spoken it, word and poetry is like a highbrow. Is as if you know, like oh wow, Camille, he's a theatre goer. You know, he plays polo over the weekend and he's got a stable full of horses. It seems yeah, like such a, you know, it's not our norm. So yeah, um, so it would be interesting. So tell us the story. Go. Yeah. For it. So so you know what? You're right. You're right. Poetry, I think, has been kind of sold to us as as a thing that that white middle class men do. But like any kind of sector, I think like growing up in, in this country, every sector out there is going to be predominate, predominated and um, from the the the, uh, the kind of viewpoint of the white middle class man. So. For me, even me, when I came into when I when I, my thoughts of poetry were that it was just not for me, that there was no space for me, um, that it was just mm. a bunch of, of boring, pale concepts that were just foreign to me, and it wasn't written for me. So I was kind of like rebellious, and I was just like, it's not for me. Allow it. I can't be asked. Um, mm. But the thing that changed it for me was I remember when I started my second degree. I'd uh, it was in I think the first year of 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 uh, 
it was a, the, the exam season of the, the first year of dentistry and we kind of come back to Birmingham. I was revising a friend of mine. She had uh, one of her really good friends um, was was a poet. She's quite a, uh, uh, quite a well-known po- poet in Birmingham. Um, and she was hosting a night in Birmingham. And my friend was like, oh, do you want to do you want to come to it? I've got a spare ticket. And, you know, you know how like when you're revising, any excuse to kind of get out of revising. I remember the, yeah. the everything's more interesting yeah oh that's that's that i need to do that actually and so yeah i left the house and and i went to this event and it was an event called level up in birmingham and the premise of the event was was basically a chance for kind of um, allowing young up-and-coming poets and writers to kind of showcase their work and um there would be like a, a an established artist who would headline the event uh the artist mm. then was polar bear so he's he's quite a well-known poet within the the, the spoken word scene um he i think he lives mm. in camden at the moment but he was originally from birmingham oh, wow. so he was the headliner and then there was a younger mm. you know forgive me, i can't remember i can't remember his name but there was a younger poet as well who was kind of an upcoming poet and you know i i remember just sitting there just listening to it and i thought you know this is it's quite entertaining but for me the thing that kind of made me kind of change my mind about poetry and spoken word was the open mic. So the open mic is when people who just like want to write their own things and kind of just, just share them will go on the stage and they'll have about yeah. two three minutes to share their piece. And I remember there was like 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, like young teenagers going up there and just mm-hmm. talking about these these concepts that I was like, wow, yeah. I, I did not even think about this stuff at your age. I was probably just like thinking about like what's on TV that week. Um, and getting through mm. my exam, and <laughs> there were there were people just like talking about a race and colorism and um, the problems oh, within wow. their family and just th- just the politics of what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. And it was just, mm. I remember just thinking, wow, I can't like this is one of those really like ch- life changing moments. And uh, uh, Amira Saleh, the poet who who was I was talking about, and um, so she was doing a Gold Arts Award that summer, and I thought, well, I've got I've got a long summer, I might as well. I wanted to get back into visual art, so I thought, let me do this Gold Gold Arts Award. It's it's funded. Usually, it costs about six seven hundred pounds, but I thought, why not? Oh, wow. It'll give me an excuse to yeah. kind of get back into it. Um, and part of the Gold Arts Award is an experimental module. Um, and then there was this mm. other organization called Beat Freaks, which is um, uh, is probably about ten years old now, which is it's a social enterprise based in Birmingham. And they were doing a mm. um, uh, an academy, a summer academy, where you could uh, basically just learn about writing. Um, uh, where you could learn about writing, and, and at the end of the week, you'd have like a performance. So, is I decided to do that just because I thought, you know what, I'll give it a go because I was so inspired by that first event. And I remember just mm. when I started writing things, um, the theme was basically just identity. So I was writing a lot about like yeah. what it is growing up to like being Pakistani and. And everyone was mm-hmm. just like, wow, like <laughs> they were just like really encouraging. They were um, mm. uh, they were just like, wow, you have something. This is this is um, yeah, you yeah. should do you should do something with this beyond just this week. And then from then I'd kind yeah. of go to events. There were various organizations I ended up mm. working with. There was a writing collective I was working with. And so it's kind of been like bit by bit. I've sort of been kind of like slowly developing myself um, and developing just writing yeah. itself and kind of you know i'm not always writing uh, it's hard to do that mm. when when mm-hmm. dentistry is your main career but um no it's it, yeah like for, it, Some, and when, yeah. It, when it came to the book so the book uh, i was approached mm. by by the publishing house uh, a year and a half ago and um they said oh we want to publish you we've seen some of your work it's quite it was quite a new publish publishing house based in birmingham um, they had quite a similar ethos yep. to what I wanted, which is, you know, they wanted to showcase local talent because a lot of the, again, like I mm. said, um, the, the, it's quite an elitist um, uh, sector. Um, and it's also very London-centric. Yeah. Mm. 
So a lot of the a, a lot of the main writers that you'll kind of hear of, even in the spoken word scene, mm. are kind of based in London. And it's almost like to make London. you have to yeah. go to London. And one of the main ethoses of Verve mm. was was to showcase local talent and and show that you know there are writers here who 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 are mm. who are really good. And um, they'd also published a lot of poets I was really familiar with. Uh, they'd published Amira. They'd published Nafisa Hamid, who's a, a really inspiring mm. poet. And some, uh, yeah, so it was just a case of. Okay, I'll give it a go. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your book, how it came, the birth of the book, how it came about. The themes, um, the what themes, you talk about. What inspired you to talk about the particular topics you raised in that book? So I remember when they asked me to write, well, so I think every writer's first book or every poet's first book is, is basically a biographical book. <laughs> because mm. as writers you tend to start off to with writing what you know so you know you will you will know if yeah. someone asked you to write something you'd write something about yourself you'd write something about something you've experienced because it's, it's yeah, a thing to write about something across the planet and to relate to it and also i feel like the best the best work is is genuine work it's it's steeped in experience and um kind of nuance yeah. and um i knew when i when they asked me to write the book i knew there wasn't a lot of published Pakistanis like even now even though I've been kind of in mm. in uh, in this sphere for like a few years now um I can mm. probably name the number of male Pakistani Muslim published writers it's probably less than 10 yeah. which you know if you, if yeah, yeah. I, absolutely I, I always claim I know you <laughs> when, I'm not, when I talk about published people I say I always say your name now because you're the only one I can think of yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot I mean the only one even off the top of my head now that I can think of is, is Jamal Mahmood and he's 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 a great writer um, but there's, there isn't a huge number of us. And, and there's a reason for that. Um, and so I remember mm. when, when they'd asked me to write the book, I thought, well, I've got a responsibility. Well, to, to write what I know, because I knew I was going to write what I know. But then on top of that, it was where I'm from, Spark Hill, Birmingham. You know, it's it's something yeah. that has, quite an, it has a bit of a negative um, reputation. Um, and and mm. not for any real reason. I don't think it has any any a high, a particularly high crime criminal rate. Um, uh, but it is an area which is notorious for um, migration. So before there was a predominantly mm. Pakistani population here, there was a predominantly Irish population, and now mm. there's slowly kind of an influx of Eastern European immigration. So it's 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 kind mm. of seen as within well, Birmingham's quite interesting because there's certain hubs of just immigration, which is why I kind of mm. yeah. kind of love Birmingham and writing about Birmingham in a lot of my work. Mm. Um, and I wanted to just kind of cast a bit of a magnifying glass on 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 kind of our life and what it is to be Pakistani what it is to to grow up here as mm. kind of a second generation immigrant and kind of the conflicts mm. that come with that um and yeah just to have it written in writing and then for people like me like people who you know who I say my people quote unquote <laughs> I don't know mm. what that means but <laughs> my, people, my people to read the book and then to kind of really relate to kind of stories like you know sitting in the madrasa or going to a martyr outside mm. and just even seeing like mirpri words written down in a book mm. again i hadn't seen Aye, any words written down in a book i was gonna say what has the response been in terms of this young british pakistani writing about perhaps sometimes taboo topics or taboo uh, topics that aren't mainstream you know what was the response from the community what was the response from your own family because poetry for like let's say an asian household it's like 
what is that? Like, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's either a dentist, doctor. You got the dentist part ticked. So, you know, that may have been a shield. But uh, what was the response? Yeah, you actually said that perfectly because I think, I think <laughs> with with me, I think had I turned around and said to my parents, you know what, I'm going to allow dentistry and I just want to become a full-time writer. That would be a completely different experience from what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um, because I think it's hard for, you know, within our community, even though, even though you know, we come from... Uh, even though art, writing, music, the, you know, the creative exactly. art I was gonna say. is so popular and it's just so vital as well when it comes to, you know, just passing mm. on stories and passing on culture, passing on um, our narratives. Um, uh, mm. It's seen as uh, here. Well, I mean, e- even outside of Pakistani circles, you know, to be an mm. artist is kind of frowned upon because it's seen as unstable. Of course. Um, and you know, from, exactly. parents, from parents' point of view, like your parents, they just want stability for you. So I understand why they wouldn't want someone to be self-employed, and um, mm. unless it was, you know, I think if I turned around and I was like, oh, I, this is what I want to do more than anything else, you know, but on the eighteen ninety grand debt that I'm in <laughs> for, from doing the yeah, two- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so like you know, they're they're kind of proud. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know if they've read the book. I think they've read bits of it, but they're not really into poetry. Quite mm. a lot of my friends are not really into it. I don't hold it against them because I have like a whole mm. other group of friends who are. So I don't kind of expect mm. everyone to read the book, but for the people who have kind of read the book yeah. and taken from it, um, you know, which is a niche in itself. I don't hold that against people. It is a yeah. niche. Um, Mm. Uh, you know it's been positive a lot of it has been positive a lot no, of it definitely has. i'm glad yeah i'm glad to hear um i i remember because obviously i'm working in coventry in one of the the main hospitals in coventry i remember a lot of the junior doctors were like yo camille mahmoud you know like he's this new up-and-coming artist he's recently published a book and it was that sense of pride people had is as if one of your own has gone and done something really amazing one what? of your own it's has kind of broken into the world hospital, what See? yeah so i was like guys guess what i know camille from medical um, oh from Kings rather. and they're like what no way and i remember and i know that the doctor dr gurhan um <laughs> who was walking down the corridor and she was like yeah you know this coffee show because i think once you published a book you had a bit of like signing or like a book tour type of thing where you went and yeah. kind of did performances yeah. so i think they went to one and kind of saw you there but, oh wow um, it was yeah it's fascinating yeah and i was like and it showed me one my lack of awareness and i'll be honest i was never really able to get into spoken word if you were to give me like a rap song or grime daily or like music i'll i'll be up for it but i could mm. never really get into it but when i spoke to her the passion and enthusiasm and like the sheer joy of being exposed to something was interesting and i like you said i think the people that do love spoken word and poetry they really do love it with their heart and they're doing write something that's so relatable yeah it means a lot and i think it is about this connection the same way i can connect to a piece of music or piece of book yeah they do find that bond with you which i think is the beauty of poetry i i think also for, for me my exposure to it's been sort of um sort of issues that aren't really talked about conversations have been started and sparked off by these spoken word artists um that's been my exposure to it so i've often if i've listened to a piece it's often been an issue in the news or something mm. that's not talked about um, yeah that's been challenging the public or challenging our thoughts and i think it's a it's a brilliant medium to also start those conversations those vital conversations that no one wants to start or people shy away from and i, yeah, I, I so genuinely see a lot of passionate people i think i think sometimes uh, when it comes to, to to certain political issues or just certain topics mm. it might be sometimes mm for people to kind of start those conversations so it might be easier for them to just yeah. be like like share a link oh have you seen this um yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that for me, I think a lot of people do, even my friends, you know, who are quote unquote, not into spoken word, you know, there's certain things yeah. that they'll come across and, and they'll be like, oh, wow, that's, that's deep. Um, I do think that a lot of people who are really into kind of ly- lyrical rap. Um, yeah. I think I think what it is, is um, there's certain type of spoken word that tends to go viral on the, on the timeline. And that is what kind of the majority of people will come across. But if you actually yeah. went on YouTube and you started like kind of searching, searching through YouTube and, um, uh, you know, just clicking on things, you'd eventually find quite because there's so much breadth within it. I think that's I think that's one of the preconceptions where they think spoken word is one thing, but there's a lot of spoken mm. word. The, firstly, there's a lot of spoken word that I don't relate to at all, which I just look at and think, oh, it's True. not me. Um, mm. And that's stuff that I completely love. And that's the same for a lot of people. I think maybe just um, the pretense of what they think it is. It's a lot more acceptable mm. than for them to listen to, to rap. But you, but you know, a lot of the time when you slow down a lot of these rap or if these artists, you know, they do an acoustic version, um, it's very similar yeah, to true. the spoken word. Like, let's be honest, Drake's basically a Definitely. spoken word artist. Um, I wouldn't class him as like a hot, like uh, hardcore hip hop. Hip hop is 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 probably yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would say uh, um, it, it is a good tool. It is a good tool for starting conversations. Um, uh, it depends on on what you use a spoken word art form for in in any in every case when it comes to just art in yeah. general it can be used to different things no. definitely and i think it's kind of seeing you and knowing you open up my world open up my eyes to this whole new world of communication and broaching difficult to discuss subjects and i think it's an excellent medium and you've done really well even kind of getting your book published and we hope you just go stronger and stronger oh thank you thank um, you you mentioned, yeah, no, definitely, man. Um, you mentioned that dentistry was your second degree. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of tell us a bit more about how you got into dentistry, um, why you did dentistry. But I want to kind of broach the subject of you studied dentistry in Kings in London, a very vibrant, busy city. Mm-hmm. What tempted you to go back and practice in Birmingham, where you know a lot of up and coming dentists are perhaps in London, where all the private clinics are? Mm-hmm. Kind of t- tell us about why dentistry the dental journey and why you went back to Birmingham? So actually, originally, I didn't want to do dentistry. Spoiler. <laughs> don't, don't, okay. don't tell Spoiler. Me. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I remember um, when I was in sixth form, kind of uh, my mate at the mm. time, he he really wanted to do dentistry and I wanted to do medicine. And we used to kind of, we, we used to mm. kind of take the mick out of each other. Um, Mm. which is mm. kind of funny look like looking back because <laughs> um, I would always be, I would always kind of throw you know do you know how when you go to Kings the medics would always have this this animosity towards the de- dentist and be like you yeah. guys aren't I know really exactly what you're talking about it was real fierce <laughs> it's, I, yeah. I it's was like... one of them people in <laughs> where I just kind of hated yeah. them being like dentistry is not like a real medical like why don't you be they're a... not real doctors you can save people life are... doctor. yeah <laughs> and uh like initially um I, yeah initially i was applying for medicine but then i didn't get the grades mm. i wanted because I, I made like a foolish decision to, mm. to basically try and do an art a level uh a full a level within a year okay. um mm. and it, it, it even like d- even though the head of the sixth form was like don't do it it's going to mess up all your a levels i was like no i can mm. do it i'll i'll be the one i'll be the i'll be the one that goes against the grain and um, the rebellious you love being I'll, the rebel huh yeah well, like, i can do it like i had some ridiculous self-belief that i would be able to do it um huh. and then uh yeah i didn't get the grades i needed to so um initially i thought let me uh, i applied for neuroscience so i remember when i was oh, wow. applying for medicine i wasn't getting any offers 
uh, even though I'd been mm-hmm. ridiculized for A's, I wasn't getting any any mm-hmm. interviews. I don't know if my personal sta- his personal statement was crap or something. Um, <laughs> but I ended up getting like four rejections, and then you know how with UCAS, if you get your four rejections, it gives you like an extra choice, so you can apply for oh, something like non medicine or non non dentistry um, okay. or non medicine at the time. So I applied for neuroscience purely because my friend had applied to King's Dentistry and said King's was a really good university. And because mm. I was thinking, partly part of me was like, I want to just apply to do a BSc. I was I really mm. liked psychology at the time and I thought the brain was quite interesting. Mm. So I thought of the BSc, why not choose neuroscience? Not really knowing anything mm-hmm. about neuroscience. And I applied to King's just, just basically like on a whim. And they gave me an unconditional offer. Um, oh, and, awesome. And so when it came to results, and I didn't get you know the, the straight A's that I needed for medicine, um, mm. even though I didn't have the offers, I was going to basically take a gap here. But back then, the rules were different, where it was like, if you didn't get the A's yeah. the first time around, you weren't allowed to retake them. I think it changed a few years True. later, where you were allowed to do yeah. that. Um, mm. So my friend was just like, oh, uh, he didn't get into dentistry either. So uh, And he'd, got, he'd mm. got like a backup offer. I think he got like a clearing offer for biochemistry at Queen Mary's. And he was like, oh, why don't you come to London? Like, look here, take your neuroscience offer. I'll take my Queen Mary's offer. Yeah. At least you'll know someone in mm. London. You've got family in London. And to be honest, mm. I think I was just like, uh, even though I'd, I'd come to terms, even though I'd come to terms, I was going to take a gap year. Um, mm. uh, I, I sort of just thought, at the moment you know when you're quite young and you're just like oh i want to actually mm. i want to leave i want to go to london like it's the big thing <laughs> i want to you know like you're just kind of tired of living at the home city life yeah yeah, yeah. You know, something london, different yeah new. Exactly. like london's one of those uh it's quite mysterious and you know you, i know it's gonna i knew it was gonna be quite exciting and a, like a, a good experience even though it was you know ridiculously expensive to live there um mm-hmm. so i took the often i was just like oh i'm gonna go uh, against my parents mm. wishes they were just like no don't i'm like, sorry i've already accepted the offer yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so like, london i did my degree um and about halfway through neuroscience i kind of decided that dentistry was more for me i had a lot of friends who were dentists and i remember they were just yeah. telling me about what their experiences were with like treating patients and just like i remember just being really entertained by their stories and just kind of just being like a bit bit kind of jealous in a way because i thought oh wow like you mm-hmm. get patience you get to do this you get to do that you have this responsibility and kind mm-hmm. of if i compare that to neuroscience neuroscience was neuroscience was very lecture based and you know laboratory mm-hmm. based and i knew i knew kind of by that by then i didn't want to do a future in kind of science or like you know pursue yeah. like master's or a phd in the lab. Like yeah that. I and, mm-hmm. and i just felt like for me dentistry mm. give me the things that i wanted out of life in the in the sense of like i mm. wanted a career that um was kind of healthcare based that gave me some responsibility mm. that allowed me to work with people i'm quite a people person so um yeah. and, and mm-hmm. dentistry, the big thing with dentistry was i think phobia the fact that so many patients would come into a dental practice and be be dental phobic to deal with patients mm. with that i realized that it was quite a challenging job and that there was so much scope within it actually to to just go where you wanted mm. to go like if you wanted to own your practice you could do that if you wanted to specialize mm. in xyz you could do that um and also time so the other thing was i'm a firm believer that that uh that a person is not just their career i know some people out there who you know who are excellent at their job and it just consumes their whole life and and they like they love that but for me i always wanted to have a job that I like doing, but for it to just be a job at the same time. So mm. I could happily do, I could be, you know, do well at it. But then when it came to five o'clock, I could completely switch off and do what else I wanted. And because I was, you know, creatively inclined, I always knew that I wanted to do something else. Be it, be it like going to mm. property development or be it kind of start my own business, create like a cafe or something, like a, like a safe space for people to come and, and, and mm. you know, 
to like revise and start like programs to kind of help the next generation when it came to like studies. Yeah. So I, I knew that for me, like if I wanted to do medicine, I wanted to be like a really great medic um, and it would have consumed mm. my whole life, I think. Um, which in hindsight probably isn't true. Um, <laughs> but, but at the time, I thought, uh, you know do, what? I do, I, do I sense a little bit of doubt that you wanted to do a bit of medicine now? <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, I did. I did. I, <laughs> no, do you know what? I did, I did, a, I did a Max Fax SHO position last year. Bro, I have so much respect for you doctors. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably like the worst six months of my life. It was very valuable. Mm. It was a very valuable six mm. months. It was a very big learning curve, even though it was a big, it was a steep learning curve. But I had mm. next level respect for you guys um, in terms well, what of did what your role involve? That's interesting. Yeah, what did, you, what did your role SHO, yeah. um, involve as a MaxFax SHO? So, so we uh, okay. So it, I did like a, a dental core training position. So it's just basically I wanted to just get more experience, and I thought it's early on in my career. Mm. Even though I don't see mm. myself specialising, I thought you know let me just get some experience in 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 what it is. And when I applied and and got the offer, I got like a six month community post, which allowed me to do um, get some experience with pediatric dentistry, with special care dentistry, mm. sedation, a bit of um, oral mm. surgery. Um, and then mm. the other half of it was a six-month MaxVax post at uh, Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham, which is quite a new mm. hospital. And I remember when they built it, I thought, oh, wow, it'd be really cool to, to, to work in there. This was when I wanted to do there. medicine because <laughs> they were yeah. building while I was applying <laughs> for medicine back in six warm days because um, mm. it was, like was going to you know planning to be like a super hospital. So, yeah, I was quite mm. excited when I applied for it. And then uh, so as a, as a MaxVax SHO, you basically work with the, the maxillofacial surgeons who... Mm. Well, uh, who a lot of them are well, they're all trained in dentistry and also medicine, um, and uh, you know their treatments uh, at the Queen. Well, the Queen, the, the QEs um, have got a really big um, uh, uh, oral cancer department, um, so mm. I got to just see a lot of things that I would not have ever seen had I had I not gone for the job. So things like yeah. you know assisting on on. Um, uh, Oh my god! I forgot the name of the surgery. This is so bad. Orthognathic yeah. surgery. <laughs> you, you, know, you, you, know, you learn something. You go straight out, straight out of your head, uh, like six yeah, yeah. So, so like assisting on orthognathic surgery, assisting on uh, these huge, huge, like life-changing uh, yeah. surgeries, sectioning of the jaw and re, you know grafting of this and that and. And just even just like being in a theater, like for a dentist, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge it's a whole thing. different world, isn't it? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's like a, a different aspect. Yeah. And just yeah. like, just, you know, uh, uh, I'll be honest, I kind of missed quite a few of my anatomy sessions when I was at university. So, <laughs> so <laughs> to be there in front of like a body, just like a body there and just, you know, for yeah. people to kind of, you know, expose like a carotid, like it made you, hmm. it was quite, I don't know, like, not a traumatic procedure, but it made you kind of reevaluate people and and like like the anatomy of people and um, and just like what healthcare can be. And I had yeah. such an appreciation for them. So in terms of what our job was, yeah, so we would assist the, you know the regs and we we um, mm. we worked with the consultants. We did night shifts. Mm. We did on calls. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we used to be in A and E. We'd get pa patients that would be had come in with huge facial swellings with lacerations. I remember on my first day. Oh, wow. There was a guy who'd mm. been like macheted and we were just like yeah. fixing his face up and he he was kind of out of it and trying to leave and dripping blood everywhere. And 
I just yeah. remember thinking, wow, this is completely out of Camel, my mind. I was, was going to ask, yeah, because I work in the Midlands. Do you not feel that the Midlands is just full of the m- craziest trauma ever? Like, we get loads of gunshot wounds, shotgun wounds, lacerations, gang violence, like oh, people man, coming in with, like, dangerous. being stabbed on the verge of death. Like, it's crazy in the Midlands. I don't know, because I obviously, you know, worked, grew up in London, mm-hmm. went to work in the Midlands, and then obviously you were born and brought up in London, uh, Birmingham. Came to southern London and went back to Midlands. What's what, what's up with the Midlands? Is it just me or <laughs> is that the gang violence crazy out there? I'll be honest. I'll be honest. So I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to. I mean, I can imagine compared to like yeah. hey, like uh, like KCH. KCH yeah. probably has a lot more of those types of like injuries. But yeah, yeah it was a yeah. shock when I came in and I and because the other thing is uh, just the realization that um, yeah. a lot of the stuff coming in wouldn't make the news. Because the only way we would know mm. is it was on the news. Like the only way we'd know if someone had a machete attack, yeah. or someone's face had been shot off, which it was mm. the case. Oh my god, I remember when that happened. Um, yeah. it, <laughs> it, it was, it was um, yeah. Like I, I don't know what's happening in Birmingham, but but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think I had to compare it to other cities. I think it's just something Definitely. that is an issue that comes with with cities in general. Um, yeah, true. I can't really compare gang violence here to, to London. Um, I don't know what the statistics yeah. are, but it was definitely a shocking experience. And even just definitely. the the uh, just the extent the extent of injury, and also the capacity of the body to be able to withstand that injury was quite a sh- quite a surprise to me. Because people would come in yeah. with the most horrific injuries, and and they'd still be alive, and they'd still be functioning, definitely. and they'd lose a whole lot of blood, and still be like talking to you and that was quite surprising so so it was a very it was a it's a great learning experience because i think prior to max fax i was a bit Mm. not a bit not scared but i remember in my foundation year it was sort of you know we sometimes get patients in dentistry who who have very realistic uh, unrealistic expectations and you know because they don't tend to like the dentist from the get-go because of like childhood trauma or you know they're just dentally phobic you know Mm you know, you, you want to do the best you can to be able to like make the patient happy. But sometimes, you know, you'll get a rare patient who's just very unreasonable. So it puts you in a position where you try and be an empathetic as, as uh, you try and be as empathetic as you can. Um, and and it kind of stresses you out because you, you realize that there's nothing you can actually do to fix the situation. And mm. Max Facts for me really put everything in perspective because now if things yeah. come to me and, you know, things that would normally kind of, you know, make my heart race a bit <laughs> compared yeah, to like yeah. machete attacks and shotguns it's it's you know it, it's nothing it now allows me to stay calm which is, is a blessing yeah, I, was, I was gonna say you touched on an interesting um, topic it's the vast majority of people don't really like dentists so it's yeah. like you're already losing a battle when like, you have these people that sit in your chair and they already hate you yeah like uh, it's very rare to find oh my god i love my dentist like you never hear that whereas f- in medicine i feel a lot of patients they do want to get better they do want to listen to your advice they do want to kind of yeah. work with you whereas in dentistry i never realized that a lot of the people don't want to be there they're not there out of choice unless it's yeah. for aesthetics yeah um, and a lot of them probably did have a traumatic experience as a kid yeah by no fault of the dentist it's just they probably had a bit too many sweets or whatever but yeah it is quite interesting to see it from that perspective it's a it's a it's a very different relationship i think that a dentist have with the patient compared to say say a gp or just a doctor in general a general doctor a hospital doctor yeah. um mm. because i think the other thing with the nhs is that um, you know you have a fee paying aspect so a patient will come in and they'll yeah. pay a certain fee and even though that you know the fee is, is vastly less than what it actually 
cost to do the treatments at the NHS. Um, mm. It's almost like they go from being a patient to a customer. Um, yeah. And so that kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, but also just the other thing is, you know, a lot, a lot of the diseases that come with dentistry are to do with consistency and, and being able to brush your teeth properly and controlling the diet properly. sugar and and it and you know that's me lot, mate you just go yeah. i do not know how to brush my teeth cool. i don't brush is it a minute is the rule the minute or two minutes two minutes what, how, what are you doing one two minute? minutes one minute is like nothing two minutes but um <laughs> I, think, oh, I think we've been 30 seconds flat i remember you wanted a video on like yeah. how to brush the teeth and it was very good yeah because there's an art to brushing your teeth it's not like it's like there's little you you put up into segments and then the circular motion and uh-huh. start on the top right. Like, I, I enjoyed that. In a weird way, I enjoyed that video. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Camille, an important question for some of our dental followers. So yep. um, in terms of getting into the MaxFax role, I was under the impression that you'd have to do a medical degree mm-hmm. to get into that. But you, you, you've done it without a medical degree? No, so so to be an SHO in MaxFax, you don't need to do medicine. So if you wanted to become a registrar in MaxFax, then you would need to do medicine. But to, to do to do uh, the SHO job, dentistry is oh, yeah. a lot. A lot of the training is kind of because I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of thing. There's a lot of transferable skills, um, uh, in terms of things like uh, like sutures and diagnosis and knowledge of, of antimicrobials and, and radiographs. So th- there's a lot of trans translatable skills from dentistry that can be passed yeah. on. To, uh, the radio the radiograph is super important. I just remember getting loads of OPGs and asking. The yeah. called, is there an infection there because i can't see anything <laughs> yeah no it's true um but yeah so it's uh yeah so if you wanted to become a max fax registrar or consultant then yeah you would have to do you would have to do medicine but i, I think, think it's a good way to kind of get exposure to the yeah i think it's a good way to get exposure to the specialty and i'm glad you you, you touched upon it and you explored it in depth because I think a lot of people are under the assumption to to even become a max fax SHO or work in that capacity you need to be a medic slash dentist but i think if you are a dentist and you are mildly interested in the specialty you could do as an sho role yeah and then basically do medicine and go full throttle so i think it's quite good you flagged it and yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to kind of I, share I with actually, all our listeners for sure i yeah i would actually recommend a lot of dentists when they come out of uh, dental school to do to do either a six-month post or a one-year post um, because mm. I think the skills that you gain from it are invaluable. I, I, like, I look back and e- even though during those six months, it, it really affected my life. Um, mm. it, it was a very difficult period as well because I just published the book at the beginning of it. So when I was supposed to like go on tour and promote the book, I was knackered from doing like night shifts and <laughs> not, and you know, just even yeah, the time killer, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. Table itself, but also, but also just, um, for six months, you can't really switch off because even, you know, even when you hand over to one of your colleagues, if there's something that affects that mm. colleague, you know, there's a WhatsApp group where when you message on the WhatsApp group, everyone has to read yeah. it. So even if you're even if you're on a yeah. on, on annual leave, if you're if you're if it's or the something. weekend, you've got your day off or something, you're still kind of you're still on clock because you have to kind of just be a bit conscious because, you know, you, you're you yeah. working, you know, that level of teamwork because mm. at the end of it, it's people's lives. And then I mean, like dentistry, yes it can get really bad within dentistry but within the general uh surgery you're very rarely coming across life altering decisions you know when it comes to dentistry yeah i, th- yeah. Um, I think in medicine in general like you always 
even though you try not to sometimes there are those cases there are those patients where you kind of take it home with you and you do wonder yeah definitely i'm sure for me and Ams, it's, yeah, where it's like i wonder how she's getting along yeah, yeah. saying that though right um going on to now sort of thinking about our mental health especially mm-hmm. i think allowing your work to flow over into your home life into as you said on annual leave you're having to check that whatsapp group yeah i understand that it's someone's lives but i think working as a team also means that responsibility is also passed on from one person to another and you yeah. can trust that person to take on that because if you're having to check at home if you, i have some colleagues who who i guess they've left the shift three four hours ago and they're, they're calling up to find out from the nurse how's the patient or what, what has their management plan worked and things like yeah. that can really tick over into your relationships your your family life how you if you're a parent your parenthood um, everything so I think we need to be all careful about that definitely definitely because it's so easy for us to burn out and 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 I think yeah. as much as like medicine is a very selfless career you know mm. you have you have to take care of yourself because if you start burning down if you start having a mental breakdown if you if you just start getting tired, then that can have an effect on on your work. That can have an effect on your decisions. That can have an effect with how you how you relate to your colleagues, how you mm. communicate with your colleagues. So, mm. I think that that was another thing that I learned, which was just well, firstly the importance of sleep because mm. wow, like, yeah, boy, oh <laughs> them late shifts. There was those are some deep deep sleeps. I would just conk out. But just like the importance <laughs> of just like eating correctly. Um, trying to get exercise mm. in, trying to also just make time to, to 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 make time with people, you know, like your friends, your family, uh, because you know if you if you don't do that, it, the the routine can just take control of your whole life, and then you know you look back and think, actually, you know what, the last time I had a home cooked meal was two weeks ago, or the last time I saw my friends was three weeks ago. Do you know what I mean? So it's important that you mm. do take care of yourself because before you're a doctor, you are a person. And I think I think sometimes the the um, uh, when we think about the code and the responsibility that we have as healthcare professionals, we 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 kind of um, we put ourselves on this this unattainable pedestal, where where everything is about the patient, everything completely mm-hmm. is about the patient, and yes, yeah, a lot a lot of your work is about the patient, but but if you're if you're not in a correct state of mind, correct health, then that will have an effect on the patient. So you have a responsibility to yourself as well. Um, so yeah, that that would probably be my advice for a lot of people, and that's something that I I learned Definitely. a lot during that year. And now, like a lot, not a lot of things stress me out, which is is you know, it's a nice, it's, good. it's a nice little silver lining that came from that boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that boot camp, it's funny. I think I, another one of our guests who is also a dentist actually raised that issue. So in dentistry, I I think is burnout an actual thing that's on the rise. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. So, so, but I think if you look at the suicide rates within dentistry, it's, it's slightly higher. I think it's probably the highest. Um, so, like wow. dentists are notoriously, um, um, they notoriously suffer from mental health conditions. Um, and what are but, some of the contributing factors to that? What, what, why are they becoming so burnt out? Okay, this is just my own theory, but I think I think a lot of dentistry is about being like empathetic towards your patient and having that empath quality. Um, and I think sometimes the burden of your patient kind of, you take that home with you. And it, it, when your patient's mm-hmm. in, you know, you kind of feel that. When your patient's anxious, you kind of feel that. Um, and that might be, I think, a contributing factor. And just, I think, I think it's just, 
a lot of people maybe went into dentistry thinking it was going to be something, but it, but then it ended up being not that thing. So they end up being in a career that they actually don't like that much. Um, and if you don't like dentistry, I think it's quite a draining career. Same with medicine. If you don't like medicine, it's a very draining career. You need to like it. You need to love it. You need to have a passion for it. Otherwise, so I think that might be a contributing factor. Another thing which I remember discussing with a colleague was just maybe um, the ability for dentists to talk to other dentists. Because I think, mm. I think maybe within it, there can be like a, 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 a this kind of idea of like the, the ego, the egocentric dentist, where it's, you know, every picture yeah. they put up online is of their best work and there never is any mistakes. But, but there is always going to be mistakes. You know, people, whenever they put, yeah. a lot of the time now you get Instagram dentists, you know, um, who, you know, Instagram is a very good tool to, to be able to, to reach um, a younger clientele of patients nowadays um, mm -hmm. who especially, you know, into that kind of aesthetic smile. Um, and yeah. uh, I think, yeah, sharing, sharing like the best of your work it kind of sometimes creates this that pressure this, to constantly yeah and this kind of just unrealistic uh view of of who you are and what your work is and you know pe you know yeah. people sometimes you know you'll do a filling which doesn't look that great <laughs> it does the job but it doesn't look yeah. that great um and i think mm. i think sometimes they just take the burden on themselves and maybe this like it. but then also maybe there was just some some underlying mental health conditions i think mental health is one of those things that is just vastly un it's not understood very well by a lot of people, which is surprising mm -hmm. because, you know, even, you know, it's a, dentistry is a healthcare related subject. A lot of it is about psychology. A lot of it is about stress, anxiety. So sometimes it's easier to recognize these problems in another person as opposed to yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. I think the two things you touched on it, uh, which I think is important it's a lot of people go into dentistry and medicine not knowing what it is to be a dentist and a medic mm -hmm. and mental health is one of those things where it's very easy to perhaps see in others more so than see it in yourself as in you can be feeling down and depressed and kind of hate the world and feel lonely and unsupported but you may just put it down to yourself and not realize that you have a problem and there is hope out there um, but I guess it's society. I think society has developed and advanced in such a way where mental health is seen as a disability. It's seen as it's debilitating and it's something that's not openly discussed. And that's why I've always been fond of you. You've always been an advocate for mental health. You've always kind of brought it to the to the forefront. And you did this talk to Camille Sundays where you just kind of gave um, a chunk of your time for people to get in touch with you and even if no one reached out to you it's just knowing that wow this guy is there if you do need something you can speak to him so I think that in itself was an amazing uh, I don't know initiative or a gesture but yeah it's the little stuff like that I think we need in, in, in our community and society moving forward are you talking are you talking about sound out Sundays yep Oh yeah, sorry. I remember when he used to do that? He, he, yeah. Bro, he called it "Talk to Camille Sundays." <laughs> but you know what I mean? Completely wrong. Yeah. No, but it's a Sunday, right? It was a Sunday, and you say if anyone wants to chat to you, you're there. Hashtag that you just, you just, you just murdered. <laughs> completely changed up the name. But, but you know what I mean? Um, is there? I want and uh, and I know we're conscious, and we've kind of you know taken up a fair bit of your time, but we wanted to know, or I wanted to know it. You kind of studied in London. London was home for you for a long time. Yeah. Why did you kind of go back to Birmingham? Was it for family? Was it for opportunities? Was it for poetry? Was so, it for love? 
Um, so I feel like with Birmingham, so Birmingham's like, I've always been, uh, uh, Birmingham I've always classed as my home. I mean, I did live in London for eight years, which is a significant amount of yeah. time. Um, I mm. think maybe after my first degree, I kind of, you know, the, the, the London, um, the rose tinted glasses kind of, I kind of put them to the side. Because yeah. <laughs> I think London, London uh, you know, it's, it's funny because London's one of them cities where uh, it is a great city, I think, to go to university because, you know, it's, it's quite an incomparable thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. in terms of living there long term, I think in Birmingham, we're just used mm. to a, a certain pace. And uh, mm. I think just the ability to, uh, well, just having less people and it being a bit quieter um, uh, mm. and it just being familiar. Like I always, I always, I mean, I always knew that I wasn't going to settle down in London long term. Um, it was just kind of a short kind of, a necessity and then i was trying to you know trying to you know in my second degree trying to um just make the most of the opportunities that we had at university so i tried to get into involved in societies and that kind of stuff but, but i always i always thought you know this is like an incubating an incubation period but after this mm -hmm. i'm back to birmingham but I, I don't know if i'm going to settle here long term i might end up going to another city i wouldn't call i wouldn't rule london out of the cards long term but i came home mostly because you know i i, I classified this place as home um i i do oh, find yeah. art scene here nice, yeah. The art scene here, I think, is is a bit, um, it's a bit more welcoming. I, you know, like I think the London mm. art scene is, I'll be honest, just a little bit elitist. <laughs> so, um, it's, <laughs> Fair so yeah, like it's you know I'm more comfortable here, um, and it's I'm happy here for now. But but I wouldn't rule it out. I've always That's wanted fair. to live in a different uh, country. I've always wanted to live in different cities, um, just just no. you know, just Def to see yeah. what it's like. So so who knows? Yeah, the fact that you're open, and more important, the fact that you're happy. I think that's the biggest key that, word there. Yeah. He said, I'm happy. You're happy. Yeah. And like, you know, what more can you ask for? Just yeah. before we wrap up, and we always love to ask our guests, what advice would you give to people? Let's, for you, because you're into kind of visual arts, spoken word, poetry, what advice would you give to people that are up and coming or people that are, they want to explore it, they want to have a career in it, but they're a bit hesitant, they're a bit scared. What advice would you give to those young people out there that are listening? And I'm sure there are plenty of them. So are you are you talking about young people who who want to go into the arts? Want to or pursue a career? Yeah, into let's let's divide it into three, right? Mm. So I think let's talk about the creativity aspect. How do you how does someone follow their passion into the field of being a creative in what you are? Yeah. Number two, dentistry. How how does someone balance dentistry with sort of content creation, being creative, yeah. going to gigs and performing? Okay. Yeah. And um, number three, I think j you you touched on, and I think you when you said about prioritizing I've, your family and making sure you've got time for all that. How do you also look after your your mental health? So those three topics, I want you to impart some wisdom for our listeners. Okay, sorry, that's uh, okay. We'll start oh. with the first one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the first one in terms of, in terms of artists, creatives, that kind of thing. Um, mm. I feel like. It's one of those things where if if you love creating something, if you love painting, if you love drawing, if you if you if you love music or composing or dance or anything creative, just do it. Just like make time for yourself to do it. A lot of people, um, uh, I think, with just routines and just their schedules, they'll you know, they'll have had a passion for it like a few years ago. And then they look back and think, oh, the last time I did that was was so long ago. Um, oh, I might not be able yeah. to do it. But you don't ever lose that ability. Like if you love doing it, you don't ever lose that ability. It's like riding a bike. So it's a case of 
if you want to do it, just do it. But if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. That's fine. Like you have complete license to do what you want to do. And also everyone's journey is completely different. You know, I, I look back, what um, had, had I had different experiences when I was younger, maybe I would just be a writer now. Maybe I wouldn't have done dentistry. But I'm kind of happy that I'm doing dentistry and I'm doing this at the same time, even though even though it's it's difficult to juggle that. Um, so yeah, in terms of the first question, it's just if you love doing it, make time to do it. That's it. I, my advice as well would be, I think a, a lot of um, uh, one of the great things about just um, um, art in general is just it's, its ability to be able to express and its ability to be able to the, the therapeutic side of it. So another thing I think with growing older is just you know, you're going to come across more and more challenges in life. You're going to come across things that push you outside of your comfort zone. And for some people, the way they process yeah. that will be through art. And I do, you know, that's how I process it. So I would encourage people to maybe try it, like even just writing a journal, writing a few words here and there. Your thoughts do matter. That's yeah. the other thing as well, where I think a lot of people, they look back and think that, you know, art, writing, writing poems, writing diary entries, X, Y, Z, they think it's, it's, it's something a child does, but it really isn't. Because if you look, look around the world, look at the world around you and everything around you started with with the ingenuity of a creative, be it a creative scientist, be it a creative engineer. Yeah. But creativity itself is 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 not just one thing. It's it's in everything. It's in marketing. It's in product design. It's it's all around the world. And and if if you if you have a talent in that, just develop it. Just just spend some time in it because it's it will help you yeah. kind of see who you actually are as well. It will, it will allow you to develop who you are and allow you to kind of just get in touch with yourself. Um, in terms of your second question, um, in terms of juggling it, I'll be honest, it is difficult. Um, I know a lot of people, like I think a lot of people you've interviewed even like away. So he was, he's a dentist and he does film, film as well. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of people now who, um, I think maybe because medicine and dentistry is such a, uh, a, high, stre a high stress career. Sorry to put your readers mm. your, about this, but it can be stressful to a lot of people. <laughs> So, so you you do need some. Mm. I think you, if you need something that allows you to take take you take your mind off your day to day, off your nine to five, off the issues of your your career itself. Um, mm. So for me, going to gigs, going to X Y Z, for me that was mm. my my time off. I never saw it as a chore. I never even saw it as oh, I need to mm. I need to I need to develop myself as a writer. So this is my other work. I never even see it as that. Like the yeah. book was just yeah. in it came about like. Um, it, it wasn't something that I actively pursued. It kind of just like things kind of lined up and, and then the opportunity came and I thought, let me just, all right, I'll Presented do it. Cool. Um, so, you know, life's funny like that, but you know, op opportunities will come your way, but you need to give those opportunities a chance. You need to put yourself in a position mm -hmm. where you, you'd say yes to things. So, so yeah, if, mm -hmm. if someone's doing, if someone is, is thinking of doing things on the side, then um, find a way that works with you. Um, Mm. Try and do something that actually brings you peace, that brings you, um, uh, that that you enjoy doing, because then it won't seem like a chore. Mm. It will just seem like the thing that mm. you do outside of work to, to relax. And then, and then if you wanna if you wanna push yourself to to make it a career, you can do that. I think a lot of people nowadays are, are they're using Instagram and social media to kind of to showcase their work, and it's working very well because just the way we consume media has gone from be, you know from mm. radio to TV to to the internet to social media. So mm. that is the new future. That is just that's going to be the next generation's way of getting its art out there. So yeah, you can do that, but um, it's not for me to tell any medical dentist how to do it. I don't think. Um, Definitely. It, you have to find your own way of doing it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work mm. out. And the other thing is um, uh, a lot of, a lot of, I think we kind of, maybe it's because we think like medics where we think a lot of medics will, they'll have quite a straightforward 
pathway and they think if they don't have a mm. a logical consecutive path planned out that it brings them anxiety the other thing with this is you don't yeah, have to yeah. do right now like you know who knows a, a year from now two years from now something could happen and you know an opportunity comes and you take it but you don't i wouldn't say go go gr do it right now if you don't want to do it um but yeah yeah i would say just go with it just go that's not really that's not really great advice is it just go with it <laughs> no, no it's I love excellent it. I, I love it it's it's just it's go with it. oh live yeah. a little i think just live yeah. a little and yeah, so, okay. the other i think thing, you're yeah. You said yeah. so another thing about about being an artist and being a creative the most important mm -hmm. part of an artist and creative is just living life because your art reflects your life so if you're not living life what are you reflecting on yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so live your life that's mm -hmm. it simple <laughs> and live if you're the first you want to write this live your life thank you yeah exactly rihanna isn't it? yeah <laughs> i love that one live your life no no is that is that how it goes i don't know how it goes <laughs> No, and then, hey, what was the third question? You said something about family. Um, no, so no, I think you 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 actually answered it within oh, it. So yeah. when it comes to you said about looking after ourselves and being able to switch off, and I think it's what you said, going to gigs and things. Just it's not a chore; it's what you enjoy yeah. and what you love. Yeah. Um, and I think we just need to make time for that. So no, I think the lessons there are a lot of lessons for yeah. for our listeners to take away and i yeah. think Sorry, just, of just it all i think what you said yeah i think my advice would be that make use of your time in the sense of yeah. even if making use of your time is sitting on your bed doing nothing that is a use of mm. your time it is exactly exactly i agree with i absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that because what, what what it does it it just it gives you that time off of work it, it closes yeah. off that work that patient you're thinking about it just lets you switch off and just relax it looks after and some your, people enjoy that some people well. enjoy their own company they enjoy kind of just sitting mm. pondering yeah I, I love my own company i love going on holidays on myself like it's exactly it's, do you know what i mean i think the society is like everyone needs to be a founder everyone needs to be involved in like five side side hustles and you know you have to be reading 10 books a day this and no, that that's and, capitalism right there's a capitalism commodified <laughs> our time so yeah. mm. you know, we are more than our careers we are more than our jobs we are more than our 100 percent. i so, agree that and i love that about you invest in um, yourself we are yeah definitely i think this is such a beautiful time to wrap up the episode i feel like we had a very wholesome episode a lot of topics were discussed a lot of topics were touched on but um it's always nice to see the world through a different lens especially for someone like you that's a creative that kind of has that added layer um it's been a massive pleasure, Camille. Thank you for kind of coming on and doing the show with us. Um, I want to thank you again. Um, how do people get in touch with you? I'm sure there'll be people that have loads of questions. What are your Instagram Twitter handles? How how did I get in touch with you? Um, yeah, so Instagram is probably the easiest thing. I probably use Instagram too much. Um, so it's at Camel M Poet. Um, yep. So yeah, that's probably the easiest way to get in contact. Perfect. And we'll give a link and description of the book, Mute Men, of Camille's debut collection in the link below or in the description and guys go out and buy it it's a lovely book um, by the way if you, want to buy, if you want to buy the book you should come to me directly because I make better money off it <laughs> fine 
So go to Camille. Yeah, go to Camille yeah. directly. Go to Camille directly if you want the book. And, that, and that's yeah. a, that's a rule for all creatives and all writers. If you if you if you know like if you um if you want to buy the book of someone, that's a little trick. Mm. Go directly to the yeah. author because they will usually sell their own books and they'll they'll make a better um, cut of the book. Um, Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah. And we want to support that. We want to support new and upcoming. But thank you, Camille, and thank you to our listeners once again. Um, we hope you all stay well and we look forward to seeing you all next week.